then is that not um, the work of midwifery to walk with mm-hmm. women, to equip them to walk with women, to like show up in their community, to support one another, to like, to equip moms to do life well, to mother their children well, to, you know, to honor their bodies and the pregnancy and the the gift of co-creating with God to bring forth life, like to do that well, right? Like this is what midwifery is. Holy Wild Birth is a podcast embracing the reclamation of giving birth rooted in God's original design, undisturbed. Here, we share homebirth stories highlighting God's presence as the great midwife, as well as conversations about all aspects of a holistic, spirit-led childbearing year. From the perspectives of myself, traditional midwife Lauren Hall, of Rooted in Eden Private Contract Association, and me, holistic doula and birth keeper Brooke Collier of Sister Birth. To choose a holy wild birth journey is to consecrate all your decisions unto the Lord. And to reclaim creation unadulterated by centuries of human attempts to control and improve upon what God has already called good. Please remember, birth is not a medical event, but a natural process. We are not your care providers, and this should not be taken as medical advice. Hi, sisters. Welcome to another episode of Holy Wild Birth. In this episode, we're talking to those of you who um, are wondering if maybe you are called to birth work yourself, any kind of birth work, midwifery, doula, attending births. Um, This episode is for you. We get asked a lot about how do you know you're called? And then on top of that, how do you live out that calling when you're also a mother of young children? So we're going to dig into all of the things about this. As always, when you're done listening, be sure to check out the show notes for links to resources that we mention, as well as how to get in touch with us to leave us a note about your takeaways from this episode. And please don't forget to leave a review and recommend to your friends, etc., etc., so we can keep getting the word out about this podcast. We appreciate you being here, sister. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, friend. Hello. How are you? I'm well. I'm about to move. So it's crazy, but this is a good little breather of fun conversation in the midst of insanity. (laughs) Right? It is such a fun conversation. And today's conversation, I am very much looking forward to. It is spurred from a question I hear all the time, and I know you get, and I'm sure is in the uh, natural Christian home birth group all the time is this, yep. <laughs> this like, how am I, how do I know I'm called into birth work while I am mothering these beautiful blessings that kind of, you know, like it's this birth work and motherhood is colliding and I don't know how to carry both. And it brings up all this confusion and all of this uh, doubt. And um I just want to talk about that because there's no pat answer, right? There's no way for us to even say, yes, you were called. No, you are not. You should do this. You should do that. Um, it's just not. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to diving into a lot of the nuance that surrounds um, this predicament so many young mothers um, 
being called into birth work find themselves in. Yeah, absolutely. And I have been there. <laughs> I've had to wrestle through this myself. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably have too. So absolutely. We are both very much in the the thick of motherhood in young children and and in birth work. And so yeah, I think hopefully what we can bring to the table will be some food for thought because again, we can't give you the direct answer for you. Um, but maybe from our own experience and um, the wisdom that that we have been given and and walked through, um, hard earned yeah. wisdom can can be a jump jump off point for some conversation for you, our listener, and um, the Lord. You know, conversation mm-hmm. between between your Creator, the one who is calling, or yeah. not calling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all free birth work. Yeah. And this wrestling with this calling is such an invitation into having an ongoing conversation with the Lord and therefore growing an intimacy with him because it's not a straightforward answer, a one size fits all thing. And it is a sort of profession that's more of a vocation, more of a calling. And so you don't just wade into it like you would public accounting or (laughs) I don't know, like (laughs) that's a random example. So it does take the kind of that wrestle, but the wrestle is an invitation to be closer to the Lord and it will invite you to that, which is what you need. Also, if you're going to do this work, you need to have that kind of intimate relationship with him. So even though I just acknowledge it's frustrating sometimes to not have it be a clear cut, like, Oh, I can tell you what to do. These are the steps to follow. And even though the world would tell you there are steps to follow, Oh, it's easy. Just go to a meek accredited school and then get your numbers (laughs) under your belt and pay this much money and get your license. And then there you are. Like trying to make me sick to my stomach, Brooke. (laughs) I know, I know. Um, Like that, it's actually not, that's not even right. Like that's not like, it it is that straightforward, even if they try to make it seem like it is. So, um, so embrace the nuance, embrace the lack of black and whiteness and see it as your invitation to walk with the Lord more closely, I guess. Right. Is what I want to say there. (laughs) There's a reason that is tattooed to my arm. Walk into the deeper still. Um. So, yeah. So I guess kind of the first question is, how do you know you're called? You know, like that's, that's the one that I hear um, is this immediate kind of, I've been so passionate about birth work and maybe I, you know, gave birth or you saw some trauma or you experienced trauma and you, you know, are passionate about it. Um, And it's this, this thing you can't, move away from. And honestly, I think that is how, um, even in hindsight, I can understand Well, of course I was called to this because there was no anything that could stop it. Um, you know, like there was no, I would take breaks and sabbaticals and be, um, you know, just mothering my children, just in the thick of the, the life that was right before me. And I still had, women coming to ask me questions still have, you know, just sitting on my couch, wanting to talk, you know, just still showing up in my Facebook feed going, I have a question. And I was able to be present for them in that particular situation. Um, because it was a passion because I was still learning, um, and wanting to be there. And it was that those invitations were still very much present, even though I wasn't necessarily in a birth room, um, or in the thick of like an apprenticeship um, in those seasons, right? Like there was, there was small pockets of these times where it was, 
it was still in my life, even though I wouldn't have said I am studying to be a midwife, you know, like yeah, I am, yeah. I am definitely a doula, like, but I was, and I was walking with women. Um, and so I think that that is the like redefining and like expanding our definition of what this call is, is not actually mm-hmm. about that, that career choice of, I am, like you said, I thought it was a great example. I'm going to become an accountant and I'm going to get that. And I'm going to do the, you know, I'm going to go to an office and I'm going to run the numbers every day and, and, and help people balance their budget. Like that's very concrete. And this is so, it's so much more of a feminine flow. I mean, it's birth. (laughs) There's not, you know, like there's no concrete to birth at all. And there's no concrete to walking with women. And if you're called to serve women and in this kind of um, phases and cycles of their life, um, both pregnancy and birth and postpartum and their mothering um, because midwifery or birth work is so much more than just, um, you know, just that event, just that day of birth. Um, I still, Mm -hmm. all my clients are still messaging me a year later I've got this going on. My baby is, you know, like I've got mastitis. I've got a baby that's, you know, teething or what, you know, like what are, what am I do here? It's walking with them. And it didn't, it didn't start at their birth room. It didn't end at their birth room. Um, And so I think if you're called into this work, having to expand that definition Mm -hmm. is going to help understand and like find out what you are called to do. Like, why are you passionate? And are you passionate because of your own pain and you need to get that healed before you even go into the birth work? Yes. Or are you, yep. you know, and, and being able to like get through that. So, I mean, it, you can see even now I'm like, there's so many rabbit trails. I could take this conversation in this, this yeah. one thought that's like, it's so nuanced and it's so mm-hmm. rooted in like your personal life. Right. Yeah. I think, I've I've observed both in myself and in the women I hear asking this question that the catalyst for for considering that maybe they're called into some form of birth work is an experience with birth, like the actual moment of birth, not usually like a pregnancy or postpartum season, but the right. actual moment of birth, like their own, that was either so incredibly wonderful or so incredibly traumatic. It usually does seem to be one or the other yeah. <laughs> that they then want to in some way, shape, or form, be in that with others to right. hopefully help them have a better experience. So, Let and, me give but what's what interesting about that, prevent what I experienced from happening to anyone, right? <laughs> right, exactly. But that it's important to know that that's the peak moment. Like that's the peak. Um, it's the peak moment. And like, when you actually come into birth work, most of it isn't the peak moment. And so right. we have to be careful that we're not making a lifetime like vocational decision based on uh, like desiring to experience that peak moment because you'll be disappointed. Like so much of it won't be in that peak. And um, in fact, I think, but it is a heady experience. Like being in a birth room is kind of intoxicating. You'll hear people talk about it being addictive. And I think that's even partly chemical. Like you actually like get an, I call it an oxytocin contact buzz. (laughs) Like you're like yeah. soaking up the oxytocin and you feel a little high and you're like, give me more of that. I totally had that happen the first time I went to a birth other than my own. Yeah. That's real. But like, it's not, that alone is not enough to determine that you're called. 
Right. So yeah, like, that's just like a good high moment. Like it's just a an and you know like an exciting thing to be a part of to see that miracle of birth to experience and and attune and connect with the women that are you know the woman that's before you and the family that's in that room and um but yeah there's you know you can actually become a birth junkie and that's not actually beneficial to the women you're serving or attempting to serve um it's a very selfish reason honestly um yeah and not to like label that like if you're seeing that is part of your journey i think it's part of everybody's journey to be like, wow, that was so much fun. I want to do it again. But like mm-hmm. recognizing and maturing past that point of like, okay, you know, <laughs> this is, and honestly, that's why a lot of apprenticeships, they start with those observant births, you know, like the, the observing births are to help you get past that, like initial, that was so cool. That was so amazing. I'm just weeping. I don't, you know, like the, all the emotional, like, being able to, to, so you can be present in the room, right? Because you have to process and regulate all of that. Um, so that yeah. it's not just being a birth junkie. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's why, like, especially in the culture we live in, where if you think you want to be a midwife, for instance, I think, I think people, the midwife is like the pinnacle. If we think, we tend to think of birth work as layers and the midwife is like the top tier, right? Like, so people tend to want to shoot straight for the top yeah. tier. Right. <laughs> like, and I did too. Like, um, and so, like, and they tell you if you want to sh- work to birth assistant to midwife, right? <laughs> or student to midwife. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's layers of uh-huh. hierarchy. Ugh. And, um, so you want to jump right into it and like, and skip all the lower tiers, but they're not actually lower tiers. They're just different types of being with women really, yeah. but it can feel that way. So you want to jump to the pinnacle experience. And then because we live in a culture that says in order to be that, you have to decide to go to a meek accredited school and like pay thousands of dollars and start an apprenticeship that's going to take your entire life and not pay you anything. And get the number um, really quick and check off your boxes, do your skills trainings, like let it consume you in every sense. by your preceptor. Yeah, unfortunately, maybe be abused by your preceptor. Uh-huh. It's it can be quite messy, but there's so much weight on it, um, and it would be dangerous to try to jump right into that. From like I attended three births and loved it, and so I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna go do all that. Like, <laughs> so I like what you said. If it sticks around, like if it keeps coming up, like if you keep trying to push it down or push it off to the side, and it just keeps coming back, like. Mm-hmm. The father keeps dropping it in your heart. You keep wanting to read books about it. You keep having people message you and seek you out for your mm-hmm. presence or your in, yeah. Because your, your community household. is seeing it on you, right? They're seeing that you're caring, yeah. And value, um, yeah. Like that is, I think, just the the evidence, the fruit of that calling, um, which doesn't necessarily mean walking out that calling is immediately easy, right? Like. I think sometimes we're like, okay, now I know I'm called, so now it's going to be easy. I can just put my head down and do it. And maybe to some extent, especially if certain personalities maybe would be helpful. But the truth is you're still going to have um, various circumstances that really, um, especially if we're talking about the the straightforward attending birth, um, that comes with, you know, the difficulties that come with that 
when you have children, when you have a husband who is working full time out of the house or, you know, just the, the various circumstances of family life and family support, mm-hmm. um, because being on call is a huge part um, and a heavy part of the actual birth work of attending birth. Um, so you can do a lot of training with pregnancy and a lot of training for postpartum, um, but the actual being on call for birth for natural, you know, undisturbed, you know, not being induced, not being planned birth, you can't plan that. Right. And so that brings in this like question of discerning your season. So like, if you're pretty sure, And you know, you know, you know that, you know, the Lord has called you, you know, you are sure that this is part of your life. Um, It's also recognizing what season you're in and discerning that. And again, going into deep conversation with him and, and just following after where he's leading you. Because I mean, like to be straightforward, there is no way I could be a midwife without my husband full-time at home. Like there's just no, I would not be doing this. I would not be doing what I'm doing um, in the season I'm in. I have six children. My oldest is 14. My youngest is two. Um, But it was very much apparent that it was my call to uh, serve women in this way and to train up other women. And, um, and my husband knew it and my husband could see it. My husband heard that call for our family um, and so he came out of his job and we both, we went, you know, on the road full time as missionaries to the U S and to serve women, um, through birth work. And, and it was with his full 110%, um, you know, commitment to what God was calling our family to do because birth work is truly, it's so much more sacrifice than just I can, like my family is sacrificing for this work. My husband is sacrificing my children's sacrifice too. And, um, you know, like I'm, you know, it is the, the very real part of birth work. Like I am making my husband's birthday dinner and I get called out to handle a lost mom hemorrhaging at home. That literally happened this, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and it was, I'm sorry, love, I gotta go. And he said, go, you know, like, you know, go, go do what you need to do. Go, go help. And so I did. And, um, you know, and we, there's no like sanctity of what day it is or, you know, like recognizing that you're saying yes, um, to this call is, is often having to say no to, to the things that we really want to do on those special days. And, um, and, and so my family had to be fully in on that. They had to understand, had to be a part of, um, and they are, and, um, it would be different if they weren't, it'd be very different conversation if we needed him to be at home for, or not at home, if we needed him to be in work or if he was not on board or he hadn't heard the Lord say, this is what we need to do. Um, you know, or if I had kids with, you know, special needs, or if I, if my husband wasn't great with the kids, you know, or if, you know, all of those things, um, play in to this. And so I think some people look at my life and they're like, how are you homeschooling six kids and traveling and, you know, starting a school for midwives and serving in birth work? And I'm like, on because I have a husband who's fully committed 
to doing this with me. Um, I could not and and would not be doing this work if it wasn't for um, Brandon. Like absolutely hands down. I am in this because we are in it together. And so if you have a different situation, which doesn't mean bad, and this is not about, this is not, please do not make this um, a husband bashing in your brain right now. <laughs> like this was yes. the call for me. And so my husband also got that call for him, right? Like this is something that the Lord has made very clear was the right season for us to be doing it in. And that did mean that there was some sacrifices, but I'm not saying sacrifice your family on the altar of birth work. I am not saying um, that you have a bad husband that should be more committed because you feel called. I'm saying find unity. <laughs> in, in, and if yes. you're not in unity with your marriage, then nothing is going to work. And so um, that kind of, and also, Really, this is part of walking with women and they are walking through marriage. They're walking through birthing kids. They're that part of getting this solid is part of your training. Like it yes. is part of being um, a wise woman that can remind the woman you're serving that she does love her husband and that she should be in unity with her husband and that she wants to, you know, be a great mother. Like, all of this is training. All of life is training for this work. And so, yeah, I'm probably going to stop rambling because I feel like I'm pulling out a preacher box, but soapbox. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's why I can be in this work is because of that unity and um, yeah. mutual call. Yeah, that's so good. I just like, we wouldn't want to drag our husbands cooking, kicking and screaming into a home birth as a mother. Right. Like we've talked about that in the podcast before, too. We don't want to drag our husbands kicking and screaming into this birth work lifestyle. If they don't want to go or their heels are dug in about it and they're not open hearted, you're, you're, that's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good. <laughs> um, it's going to destroy marriage quickly. Yeah. There's a reason and it's sad, but there is a reason that there are so many midwives um, that are in divorce because of it. I mean, it's it's truly a hard thing. Um, to feel so very called, but then there not be enough. Like if your marriage is not, is it like strong enough to support that? Um, then it's time to look on the marriage part first so that you can expand together and be able to hold that call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say similarly to how I'd advise a woman who really, really wants a home birth and her husband doesn't. It's like starting with that advice that somebody gave me early on in my marriage is like, um, you seek to move no man except by God through prayer. In other words, That's if you need your husband to shift on something, do it through prayer. Like start in that place of like, God, this really feels important to me. I really feel like you're calling me to this, but my husband is not there. And if you want me to do this, I need you to move his heart. Like instead of the argument, like you don't sit down and be like, listen, I'm supposed to be a midwife. I got to get you on board. Here's why. Here's my presentation about it. No, start in humility and prayer. And waiting and like the, in the waiting for God to release you into a season of expressing the calling, there is like fruit, like that fruit comes from that. Like you were saying, the, the silver hairs and the wisdom and life experience, all right. of it is what makes a midwife. Like the granny midwives are where it's at because yes. they've lived a full life and they've raised their children. And like, Personally, I find that very comforting to think about yeah. somebody older than me attending my birth. And exactly. um, 
Yeah. And I I don't think I've said that quote on this. I've said it in other podcasts and I say it often. So for listeners who don't know what the quote she's saying is, I often say that we gain our white, our wisdom as we gain our white hairs, like that hearth mother, she gains her wisdom as she gained her white hairs. And so um, that is absolutely part of this training of birth work is living the life and walking it out and, and becoming you know, it's not a, it's not something like, yes, read all the books. Yes. Get the experience. Yes. You know, attend the births and all the things, but like, this is a lifelong becoming. Um, and there's no, there's no like specific path, prescriptive path that you should use, um, to, to become a midwife, right? Like we, Wait, you're you're never going to know all the things. Like, stay in humility and recognize that the more you know, the more you realize you don't know anything. And just that becoming and gaining wisdom—it's not just in the books and just in the schools. It is yeah. totally a a growth process to walk with women. And walking with women is not just that birth room. It's not just that that heavy on call time for birth. It is that preconception. It is that, um, in the pregnancy and it's in the ups and downs of the postpartum. It's, it's all of that. It's, um, in the fertility, it's in the loss, it's in those, those ways of, of walking and the lesser than it's part of, it's part part of the process. It's important. It's not right. Which is why it's not a hierarchy of like, do it or whatever. It's this, like, are you walking with women and they're every day? And do you have women walking with you and, and the parallels of, of training to become a midwife um, or birth worker, birth keeper, doula, or fill in the blank, you know, the, there's so many parallels to pregnancy and birth and postpartum uh, into the experience of those that are, that are so present in that um, becoming you know, like I often will joke, be like, this is just prodromal labor. Like you're just in prodromal labor of becoming um, this birth keeper, this birth worker. Um, you know, like it's this start and stop. It's the, I read this book and I attended a birth and I, you know, I got to really support this woman through some postpartum depression stuff and went and I brought my kids and I was making her meals and cleaned her house and, you know, and my kids were playing with her kids and, and, but like, I, I just want to become a postpartum doula because I did that so much. And it's like, you are, you are a postpartum. You just became a postpartum doula. Like, congratulations. Okay. That's what you did. You know, it's, it's yeah, that. You don't need a certificate to like prove right. it. <laughs> Unless then, you have some specific skills you want to hone, but like, right. you Not don't have same. to have a certificate to call yourself some of these things. It's the training. Yes. Do you know how yep. many certificates I have, you guys? I have zero and I intend to keep it that way. <laughs> right. So like, it's not about the, the certificate and it's not saying the training is bad. Like get the training, hone the skills, do the things, but you're just becoming. And like, as you kind of, you get those, those moments of you did the thing, you served that woman, you attended your friend's birth, you helped somebody through postpartum, you, you know, gave a lot of like, uh, insight and advice in a Facebook group, whatever. And then like, you're taking some time and, and then you get to like do the birth work and you're apprenticing or you're, you know, you start a doula business and you kind of have this short period where you're really working and then like life happens or you get pregnant and it stops and you're like, maybe I'm not called to be a birth keeper. 
maybe I can't do this. And, and it's this whole thing, right? Like, and you get to the, where you're calling your favorite midwife. How do I know I'm called? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, you're just I'm Googling it. I remember Googling it. <laughs> As if Google can tell me. <laughs> but I did find some interesting stories from midwives reflecting on how they knew they were called. And that was, that was fun to, to read about that. Yeah. So when I, when I get that call, when I'm on the other end of that Instagram message or, or phone call or whatever, um, I'm just like, you're in prodromal labor. Like, that's what this is. Like, you're called. You already know that. Because most of the time I'm talking to these women who do know they're called. And at one point mm-hmm. in time, they did know. They had that assurance of, like, I had this experience. I had this time with the word and, you know, with the Lord. And, you know, I had that, like, this time, right? Like, I know that I am. But now I don't know that I am. You know, like, let me put my yeah. face back yeah. out and find out because I need confirmation. And it's like. You do know, rest in what you know, but also discern your season and recognize that this baby just ain't been born yet. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay. Um, and it's okay for it to be stop and start. Like, it's okay to be start and stop. Say you have two children and they're getting out of their diaper and nap stage. And you're like, okay, this is a good time for me to do some more. And then, oops, four years later, you have another baby. And, <laughs> and then you're like, oop, I need to step back. This isn't a season for it. So I think it's also good to know the season might not be like once it starts, it never stops again. Like, because that's not what walking with the Lord is like. Like sometimes he's like, right now, this is your most important work. And in this season, this is your most important work. And we have to be adaptable and not get so like our identity wrapped up in whatever a birth worker title is that we can't put it aside for a bit. If the Lord's asking us to put it aside for a bit. Um, Yeah. Well, man, that's like, like, yeah, that takes us into a big old conversation about identity anyways, right? Like Mm -hmm. motherhood or birth work, our identity at all. Like, no, our identity is in Christ. Like we, we have been given children to mother and we've been given, you know, women to serve. And, and that's a, that's a thing that we get to do in this life. It's part of a calling, but it's not an identity. And too often we get those mixed up that like, if, if I'm not a mother, if I'm not a birth worker, if I'm not this, that, the other, because of what I'm doing, like, if that sends you spiraling, um, Mm -hmm. then it's a question of like, are you actually rooted in who you are in Christ as his daughter, as his, you know, as the bride to the, to the bridegroom King, like, are you fully rooted as, uh, who you are in him? then everything else can flow out of that and that confusion falls away and that doubt falls away. And it's, that is really where you have to get rooted. If you're not rooted, you're going to be pulled up real quick. And you won't be a very healthy midwife. Right. In fact, I feel like the the birth workers who are the most toxic are the ones who have made it their identity and don't have that in like proper order. You know, it's not rightly ordered. Um, So that's, again, why sometimes I think the stalling out of the prodromal labor is purposeful because the Lord's weeding out some of those things that maybe ultimately would um, decrease our effectiveness and therapeutic presence with women too, right? Like, I think that for me, I have struggled in the past and maybe still sometimes with like idolizing the office of midwife as this like such a lofty thing, like, and um making too much of it and like 
have to be pulled back from that so that it can be put in its proper place. Like, no, a, a person who operates in the office of midwife is just a person like me. who yeah. God is inviting to partner with him in some very specific sort of work. And yeah. it's not like the pinnacle of like, I have now arrived and like, I can be proud because I'm here. Yeah. Um, so trusting the father's pruning of your heart, even as you pursue this kind of this arena of work. Um, and that sometimes is painful. It doesn't feel very good. Like it's super frustrating to feel like I know I'm supposed to do this. Why am I not there yet? Um, yeah. Yeah. Pruning is painful. It is. It is. Oh man, that's so good. There's so much richness that I want to jump in on with what you just said. Um, just even thinking about like the office of a midwife, um, which, you know, the, the word in Exodus talks about that, that being an office in the mid of the midwife. And I think it's in the book, um, the ministry of midwifery. Is that where that was? She talks a little bit about that office of a midwife and how it actually is. Um, it's, it's labeled an office in the old Testament in Exodus, um, that they actually held that office. And so when you said that my brain immediately thought about, um, I'm not saying that midwifery is like a fivefold ministry office, but there is yeah. fivefold, right? And and yes. I, just the word, like, what is the purpose of an office? You know, the word talks about the the fivefold. Their purpose is um, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? Like that's the purpose of the office is to take the calling on their life, the what they they're doing, what their practice is um, of apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, um, preacher, you know, to do what they've been called to do in this earth and in the kingdom of God, they're called to take that and equip the saints to do the same thing, right. To, to walk out the work of the ministry, um, in, in the giftings that they have in the office they have. And so I think about, well, okay, if that's the purpose of an office is to equip those that you're leading to do the same work you're doing, (laughs) then is that not um, the work of midwifery to walk with Mm -hmm. women, to equip them to walk with women, to like show up in their community, to support one another, to like, to equip moms to do life well, to mother their children well, to, you know, to honor their bodies and the pregnancy and the the gift of co-creating with God to bring forth life, like to do that well, right? Like this is, what midwifery is. And so that it just goes back to that point of like everyday life is training for this work, like everyday life, mothering your children well and walking in unity in your marriage and like really discerning your season in the midst of that carrying this thing, like carrying it like a pregnant baby or, you know, pregnant, a baby in your pregnant womb. Like that is the, the, the call and that is the training to walk out midwifery. Yes. Or doula or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So many titles. Get blurry. <laughs> I wonder it's confusing. <laughs> it is. It is confusing. And I think it has to be like we, we, I feel like society wants to keep it in tight roles and like what are your bounds of expertise and your, um, what is the scope of practice? But like, I think really when you're following it as, as like a calling and a ministry, the, the lines do get pretty blurry and like, you have to kind of get uncomfortable with that yeah. um, ambiguity of that. 
Well, just, still being, we've talked about this a lot, but being open about what your experience and skill set is and is not. But like, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to call myself. And that kind of just has to be okay. All I know is that I'm saying yes when God tells me to say yes, like yes. to showing up for this particular woman in the way that she is asking me to show up for her. And if that is called doula, if that is called birthkeeper, if that is called a traditional midwife, maybe that doesn't matter as much as the fact that I am just saying yes when God tells me to say yes yeah. and walking with women. So just comfortable with the ambiguity, <laughs> yes, especially yes. if you don't intend to be like certified or licensed right. in whichever thing you're choosing. So, yeah. yeah. So I feel like a lot of this conversation has been about that ambiguity and, um, you know, I want to kind of steer a little bit to some of the practical things that we, you know, think about um, when we're, we're kind of approaching this topic. So like, okay, you're called, you know, the season you're, you're just in the apprenticeship, right? Like you have just said yes to this apprenticeship. Sometimes it's like, okay, what kind of apprenticeship are you saying yes to? Like, do you have to go down, um, the numbers, you know, doing the numbers game and getting in the numbers and at this like incredibly rate, you know, speed and, or the, the high volume birth centers or the, I'm going to sit under a midwife that's doing seven, 10 births a month. And, you know, like well, just here, this, I did that. <laughs> this like, or in, you sit under a midwife who wants you to go to a lot more numbers than the license, than the certification even requires. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, if you are, and I had this conversation recently with one of my students was like, cause it's a mentor, um, an online mentorship. And so she's not actually getting to attend births with me, but where she's um, in the anointed uh, midwifery on school. And so we were having this conversation of her season of life and like the, a little bit of, for lack of better word, just anxiety or trepidation would probably be better um, of like this apprenticeship that she's like, will I, um, do I have to do that? You know, like I want to, I want to do the apprenticeship, you know, like I, I see value in anything, but like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do that realistically when I've got, you know, this many kids at home and this, you know, and, and kind of just laid out her life situation. And it just, I was like, you know, you don't have to do a high volume apprenticeship. You don't have to find a preceptor that's going to require you to be at seven births in a you know month or even four births you know like I mm -hmm. don't do that you know I would never even if I was completely stationary because like right now I move around and all that um so I have a very small number of births but um even if I was in a like stationary place taking on a student I would still not be doing more than three or four births a month because it's not sustainable for me I don't want to do that mm -hmm. I don't want to do more than uh, more than four births in a month. Like that's sounds exhausting. And it also doesn't sound like a, a, a place of setup that I could feel I'm giving those moms the care that they deserve yeah. and that they need. It's not sustainable in my eyes. Um, it's a, it's a numbers business thing. And I just, it's not, that's not my flavor. And so I'm like, you can find a midwife that doesn't want to be that busy and wants to, you know, every uh, the midwife that's doing 10 a birth and the midwife that's doing you know i'm sorry 10 a month and the midwife that's doing like two three a month um both need students right yeah. <laughs> and so it's like find the right 
find the midwife that's going to be the midwife that you want to become, you know, to at least some degree. Mm -hmm. Right. And is, you know, like, is there some value in putting your head down, pushing through, sacrificing for a season? Absolutely. And I know lots of traditional midwives that do that for, you know, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple of months and I'm going to go to a high volume birth center because I had this great apprenticeship. Um, but we didn't do vaginal exams very often because when we had to do a vaginal exam, the midwife actually needed the information. It wasn't just a trainee can figure it out. We needed the information. So she got to go to this birth center and do those medical things that she knew she was probably not going to use very often, but she still needed the skill. Um, so she did that, you know, or, or somebody, you know, they go to mama baby Haiti or they go to, um, you know, just short seasons of like this high volume thing. There's a training in Ecuador, you know, or going to the Philippines or um, this plenty of stateside high volume birth centers that are set up that way. And they just take two months or, you know, even a couple of weeks and they just put their head down. They sacrifice for a little bit and just get those numbers mm-hmm. um, of, of experience to get the like, the like hands on skill of things that they just haven't gotten that just take practice. They just take the redoing. Right. And so there's, there can be value in that. Um, but like, honestly, to backtrack a little bit, if you're doing three, four births a month, two year of an apprenticeship of that kind of slower, sustainable pace, you're going to have 75, you know, births in that year. Like, you know, like it's not going to be, <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be, I have to get all these numbers in within this short period of time. Um, so you can take the long road and, and go that slower if that's of more value. And you can also do the, the more costly in time and intensity of apprenticeship if that serves you better, but Mm -hmm. there's no prescriptive way, despite what they tell you, if you Google (laughs) a prescriptive way of becoming a midwife, um, you don't, especially if you are, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably more of the undisturbed flavor. You're probably more of the, um, at least interested in the traditional midwifery route. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't get experience because that is valuable and that's a whole other topic, but um, there are different ways of going about getting that experience. And you can think outside of the box and um, and mold that to the the training you need right and it's okay if the current training is literally just reading all the books all the books read all the books <laughs> yeah self-study self-study is a great thing to do when you are not in a season where you can apprentice you can still study a lot on your own right. read that yeah. book while you're nursing that baby <laughs> totally my when my fourth baby was four months is when I started my apprenticeship uh-huh. um and so I have all these pictures from when she was a baby, even before I started. It's like when she was a newborn of me, like sitting there nursing her and reading midwifery books. Like, <laughs> But then oh, <laughs> I was in one of those higher volume practices where we would have six to 10 births a month. And I was expected to go to, to well, there was some time when I was alternating back and forth with another student. And but some months when I did go to six or eight a month. It was super intense. I only did that for nine months. And then, yeah, I don't think it's sustainable for me either. But again, it depends on your season. Right. I, uh, yeah, I had a husband who I still have the same husband. But what I mean to say is that at that time and still, 
um, he's not home full time like your husband is, Lauren, but he right. is essentially a self-employed. And so in almost every case, he can flex his hours and move things around to drop everything and come be with the kids if I'm called in. So that's how that worked for nine months. And then I was done, done with that because it wasn't the right fit. But yeah, what other practical points are there about, um, I just often tell women if they think they're interested in birth work to start with a part that seems less um, like the peak experience, just to start with like you were saying, serving women in their community, um, yeah. hosting sister circle, bringing mm-hmm. a meal, checking wow. in on your pregnant friend, <laughs> wow. sending her encouragement, um, teaching childbirth education even. Mm-hmm. There's so much you can do to get your feet wet. But yeah. what other practical things would we say to somebody who is mm-hmm. wanting to try on the calling and kind of confirm it? Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, to all of those things. I'm, I feel like we've really hit a lot of the things. I think sometimes it's like, you know, really we've kind of danced around it, but like the obvious thing is like child support or child care, right? Like, and the mm-hmm. support around that child care, um, when the hardest part around, you know, you, like you get that call at 2am and it's like, okay, I gotta go. Um, you know, like you have to have on-call child care. You have to have, um, or a husband that's home that cannot go to work because you don't know when you're coming back. And, you know, and it's, it's the reality of that. I feel like it's so hard to actually wrap your head around. It's like, you, you know it, you're like, okay, yeah, I need somebody. Well, my husband's here. Or my, my mom's just down the street. She can come over. And, and, but like the actual reality of, if you're leaving your child with a babysitter or your husband has to go to work and that like, you don't know when you're coming back, you're not going to work and being able to clock out. Like you're not going to be able to go to, and I think it's harder to recognize that if you are the doula or the student or this, the birth assistant, then the midwife, because if you're the midwife, you've kind of walked that journey already. You're fully there and you're kind of like, you recognize the, the weight of the responsibility, but that weight is still there for you, no matter what title mm-hmm. you walk out. That woman has asked you, invited you to be in her space. And if she's calling you, it's because you've committed to being in her space the full time that she needs you in that space. And so you have to recognize that you don't know when you're coming back. Um, when you walk out that door, you're, you're kissing your babies and you're hugging your husband and you don't know if you're going to be back in 12 hours or in 36, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't know. I have been at a birth, um, that I think the longest one was six days because it was a really intense, um, situation. And, uh, you know, like I got to come home for short little bits, but it was, it was to come home to like crash and to give them a hug and to like maybe eat what my husband had prepared for me to come home and eat. Um, but it was, you know, brief times. It was not going home. It was going right. to like, okay, let me catch my breath. Okay. I'm going back in, you know, like it was not yeah. coming to be present for my family and that's hard. Like, and that's a sacrifice for my kids and for my husband as much as for me. Um, but it's not just while you're gone. It's when you get back, when you are really back, you need a recovery period. Right. Like you're still not fully yeah, present because you yeah. have to sleep it off uh-huh. and you have to feed yourself and take a shower. And like, it takes yeah. me probably the older I get, the longer it takes. <laughs> I think it takes me about two full days to bounce back from an all nighter birth. Yeah. 
to like really bounce back to be like fully present and like on and like yeah because you're expending all of yourself to yeah. be there for them and you know it's that recognizing that so then when you have when you realize that then you're like who am i leaving my kids with can i leave my kids with this person for whatever amount of time like like that's a real yeah. question and you have to recognize it's hard to find those people yeah you have to you have to find those people and it really comes down to having um like i said earlier like your family is committed just as committed to it as you are um your husband is just committed to it as you are or your you know whatever family support you have whether it be grandparents or um your sister or you know whoever um, I know I, I used to lean a lot in my training on a um, homeschooled teenager because, um, you know, she could be there during the hours and she could do her school um, because she was very, she was an unschooled homeschooling teenager, by the way. And so there was no like real strong, like need for her to like do, do certain things by certain times. And she could come over when she needed to. And, um, and then stay until my husband got home. Right. Like, and so there was those short seasons that I was able to do that kind of thing, but I always recommend that because it's like, okay, if you can find a teenager that can drive, she's got her own car or he even, you know, they've got their own vehicle. They don't have a job or a work that they need, you know, school that they need to go to. So they have that daytime availability that most other people are at work for. And then you can rely on them in those hours. And I just paid them well, right? Like it was this like, okay. Yeah. Yep. You got to pay them well. You got to, because they're on call and that like, that's real. And you, you recognize that when you're on call, how, how valuable that is. Yeah. Um, You can burn babysitters out pretty quick if you don't somehow compensate them. If you don't compensate them. It's costly for them too. I did this thing where I had two um, different college age women uh-huh. that each had different class schedules. And so they would, t- um, they were each on call different days of the week. So depending uh-huh. on which day it Good. was when I got called, then would determine who I would call. Right. And then I would pay them even, I would give them like five bucks a week just for keeping their phone on. Like I was right. like, here's a coffee on me. Thank you for keeping your phone on yeah. and keeping it close and answering yep. my calls, like to remind them. This <laughs> like, yes, yeah. Exactly. And then when they actually came in, I paid them a very handsome hourly rate. Right. <laughs> And that, that's, yeah, it's that making sure that they understand that they're on call um, is a huge part of that. Because, um, yeah, because <laughs> you, you need that on-call support if you, um, you know, are a more traditional husband and working outside of the home kind of situation. So, um, yeah, I think that that's probably, I don't know if I can think of any other practical thoughts around this particular question but we've we've got a good a good conversation i think here you have yeah, definitely for you i feel like anything i say right now would just be reiterating right. certain things that we've already said but well yeah, I it's a that blog post that you wrote um are you called to be a midwife and mm-hmm. um i don't know maybe if you want to shamelessly plug that a little bit of like (laughs) that is such a good it's such a good read so I would encourage you if you're in this season to read that um but I don't know if you have anything to to say around it yourself oh I wrote it when I was I think in a um having a another time because this comes up for me periodically right this question of like am I called to this and like 
this feels hard to do in this season. So I think I was in one of those seasons when I wrote it, you know, just like needing to speak the truth over myself again about looking for drama. Um, <laughs> precisely. I wasn't calling it that, but yes. Yeah. So that's what that is. Yeah. Um, and I also was just thinking about um, in terms of other resources is the anointed midwifery unschool, because even I feel like you're not, I know you're not totally ready to launch this yet, but for women who are exploring their calling, that's even seems like a safe place to kind of explore a little bit without even knowing a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, did, I don't know if you want to say more about that or not. Sure. But. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to where I'm starting to open it up. It's still in beta program. It's still, I'm being very protective of it. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah it's um, I'm, I'm bringing on a few more women and, I'm kind of opening that up and basically it is a membership program um, so that it's not like you're not joining in of like, I'm going to be committed for the next two years at this, you know, rate of fee. It's a, it's a really putting my money where my mouth is as far as this is something that we do lifelong. This is something that we need continued support in, continued mentorship as no matter what, you know, st- level of birth work we're at. And um, it really is that, you know, you need, you need good community f- to do this work and our learning never stops. And so um, I set it up to be more of a, a midwifery um, unschool that is a membership program. So you pay a, a membership fee every single month to get access to a curriculum guide that kind of gives you places to study and where you're studying and really um, customizing it in the mentor calls to what's coming up for you in this life. What are, what are the women that you're serving currently going through or what's the women just surrounding you in your community, you know, really what's going on in your life and, and being able to mentor you through that and kind of point you to the studying you can be doing um, as well as like, whether you, if you are in the thick of, of being apprenticeship and really need a, a rooted in Jesus mentorship um, through that apprenticeship. Um, so that, valuable. So that's kind of what that is largely. Um, like I said, it is in beta program. Um, so it's uh, you know, there's some grace to it not being fully, fully uh, fleshed out and complete. Um but that also is lending to it being very customized to the students that are currently in that program. So there's that, um, that give and take yeah, there. That's awesome. Um, and so, and basically I kind of saying it's, there's, there's three attributes of the, of the right person that is fit for AMU. And that is someone who's very firmly rooted in Jesus. That's not just, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm a Christian uh, mm. right now in the beta program. Um, it's, it's, everything I do revolves around what is the Lord's Lord leading and what does his word say? And like, it's not just something that is, yeah, I, I'm a Christian, but rather like I am a Christ follower in every part of my life. And it's really infused in your life. Um, if you are a self-led learner um, that is really ready to take that personal responsibility. Is that the second criteria? Second criteria as okay. um, being that self-led learner, being um, someone that is, uh, going to ask good questions, going to um, want to critically think, not just take my word for something, but like study it out, research it out, um, know it well for yourself. Um, 
you know, and, and just looking for that accountability in that learning and looking for that community around your learning, but that, that knowing just like we, we uh, encourage women that they are the ones that are having personal responsibility in their pregnancy. You're the one that is having, taking personal responsibility for your learning. Um, And then that third criteria, um, again, at least for now in this beta program, it really is the person who is looking for it not being licensed. They're not wanting that CPM um, accredited route, but they are looking for being an independent autonomous um, midwife, really a hearth mother um, as well. Not to say that licensed midwives can't be hearth mothers, but but that, you know, following the listen to the hearth mother podcast, if that's something that resonates with you and um, that's really you are firmly assured that that's the route you want, that you are you're committed to being an autonomous, independent midwife. Um, that's that's who I'm going to be best serving and mentoring, at least in this particular season. Um and where am is that? So uh, that's kind of the three criteria I'm looking for for women that are wanting to join AMU, and um, that you can email me. We'll put it in the show notes, but it'd be at anointedbirth at gmail dot com to kind of put in an application, so to speak, or an interview process and see if it's yeah, a good fit. Can, okay. Yep, you yeah. could email me. We can. I'd kind of send you some some basics of of the philosophy and um, what it looks like. And then uh, there's an application and an interview that's really an interview to see both behind the scenes of what AMU looks like, see if it's a good fit for you, ask all of your questions, and I can do the same thing um, of you and see if it would be a good fit for the beta program and then um, go from there. So, yeah. Awesome. So good. Also, I just have to say, I love that the AMU, you usually stands for university yeah. Titles. I love that for you. It's unschool. I <laughs> Lauren and I both unschool as our in, in our families with our children. So that this midwifery school is also in the unschool philosophy just yes. tickles me. I love it so much. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. Uh, I I so believe in the unschool methodology that uh, and and that was like I went to college to be a teacher um, and and I didn't finish that degree for various other reasons, but in the midst of going to college as a, to become a teacher, I was like, I'm going to homeschool my kids. This is, I'm just not. And then, and then kind of walking through that homeschool journey and like being very like classical at first and then like going, this is not work. This is not, this is not working. And then just like really becoming more unit study and then eclectic and then like Charlotte Mason and deeply Charlotte Mason for a while. And then just really falling, falling more into that unschool. And now we are very much, there's no, no <laughs> if ands about, about it. It is, we are fully unschoolers and it's because of the philosophy behind it. Um, it's not just because it's this like, ah, I'm just not going to do it, which is a lot of people think is like this permissive idea of home, homeschooling. Yeah, but it is, no. There's a deep, um, deeply involved, way of learning and um it's life learning and that's it's why i apply it to amu this way so yep <laughs> gosh if it wasn't so off topic i would be tempted to do an entire podcast episode just about in school <laughs> we, should do one. we should totally do one <laughs> a bonus episode for those who also care about this in addition right. to this. <laughs> anyway well friend thank you for this good conversation i think that it'll give a good lot of 
food for thought to listeners who are feeling that maybe there's that tug on them to pursue serving women in the space of birth and the childbearing year, really. Yeah. Um, We'd love to hear, by the way, listeners, if you have comments or reflections on what you've heard today, um, please feel free to shoot us an email and tell us. Um, Yeah. But do you want to pray us out, Lauren? Yes. I was going to say, let me pray over our listeners, especially in the midst of um, what we've shared today. So, Oh, Heavenly Father, Yahweh, I thank you. I thank you for these precious um, women that that you've had tune into this podcast, Lord. I, one, I'm just overwhelmed that you have people listening to us, <laughs> listening to me. I um, I know why they listen to Brooke. She's amazing. But <laughs> I don't know why you've sent people to learn from me, Lord. But I just ask that um, you help me be a good steward of that influence um, and that you... Uh, take the words that were were given in this podcast and use it to bless these women um, as you have called them into being mothers and called them into serving women in birth and in this this heavy call of being a mother. Um, Lord, it is an equally heavy call to be um, a birth worker. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the privilege and honor it is. And I ask that you um, would gently lead these women gently lead them. Um, as your word says, you gently lead those with young. And so I thank you that that's a promise. I thank you that that's in your character to gently lead us. And I ask that in the, the prodromal labor of, um, the limbo and the waiting and, and the eagerness, the blessed eagerness to just do what you've called us to do. Um, I thank you that that's a blessing. I thank you that that is, um, it's a beautiful thing to have passion to do what the, what you've designed us to do. And so I ask that you give them peace mm-hmm. and I ask that you give them a settledness in their heart um, to just treasure those things and to become um, that they would know that there's not a finish line that they have to cross in a certain amount of time, that there is not any, um, any, I don't know, just this tug of war, Lord, just I say, peace be still to that tug of war um, within their heart, that they would be able to just rest in you and be guided and led um, on the call that you've chosen for them. And whether, whatever that is and whatever that may look like, that you would give them clarity and discernment. And I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Well, we thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Holy Wild Birth. We hope that you were genuinely encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. If you're loving what you hear, please make sure that you share it. Leave reviews. That helps other mamas find this content as well. And don't forget to read the show notes, okay? Because that's where you can find our email address if you want to reach out to us and start a conversation. It's also where you'll find free offerings as well as invitations to work with me and or Lauren. We can't wait to get to know you. See you next week.